Lights. Camera. Action. Now where's the mullet? Where is he? Is he coming in by chopper? And now, live from Quinlan's Cantina in the Gold Coast of Australia, it's time again for your dose of action cinema history from the 80s, 90s, and beyond with the Lethal Mullet Podcast. Oh, get out of my name, go. And welcome, folks, to another episode of the Lethal Mullet. Here tonight to uh, do our first part of the, of course, great month of Lorenza Lamar films, which we're going to be looking at, and of course, uh, the life of this great martial artist, actor, and uh, definitely a person who, from the start of, um, I think, or we should say the end of the 1980s run of action cinema and VHS and stuff like that, really put out uh, some great material, and, uh, and right up to now, we've got uh, TV shows to relive on Amazon Prime, like, of course, the one, the only, Renegade, uh, which was fantastic. I'm your host, Adam O'Brien, the man with a mullet, and today, yeah, we're going to be looking at, of course, uh, some great uh, stuff when it comes to uh, film series, which he did just outside of when he was doing TV, and that is, of course, the Snake Eater series, and these were great. Uh, these were a trio of films, a trilogy, very hard to find. Uh, in hard copy these days, you have to look at um, some uh, different regions to get this one. This one was, I do believe it's from uh, Germany. Uh, so, yeah, hard to find, but it's great. It's got some great extras in there, uh, interviews with Lorenzo Lamar and um, some behind-the-scenes stuff. But you get all three films. So you get Snake Eater, which is the first one. And you get uh, Snake Eater's Revenge and then Snake Eater 3, His Law. Yeah, these films are pretty much done back to back, uh, back in the day when they were made. And there's certainly that sort of style of pretty much a, a police officer going rogue, Dirty Harry, a little bit of martial arts to it. And um, he definitely was, um, you know, somebody that was coming out of doing uh, some other regular TV, soaps and stuff like that, even being in Greece, I believe, as well. And um, yeah, went into action cinema, and this was the first real hint of that. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has many a thing to say about Deep Thought. And Deep Thought itself has many a thing to say about the guide. But who are going to give you a guide through the maelstrom and enormity of the guide itself? Hosted by two unexpected travellers, the lethal mullet, all the way from Quinlan's Cantina, in the Milky Way, and of course, Dan the Man from Birmingham. All on the other side of the water, they have hitched a ride and come to Ursa Minor. Tell you all about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy which you can find whenever you find good podcasts. That's right, folks. Check out the brand new show, Deep Thought Life, Douglas Adams and everything monthly on, of course, the Lethal Mullet Network at lethalmulletnetwork.podbean.com or on the socials at The Lethal Mullet. You can also check it out on YouTube very soon on the Spacebook Network, hosted by the one and the only co-host here, Dan, the man from Birmingham, Dan Hadley, all here and... Don't panic, we'll be back. Now, I do remember uh, back in the 80s uh, when the video shops were all over the place, and particularly here in Australia, uh, you could get to see some of these posters on the walls. Or what they used to do is actually get some people to um, put up on those walls. So you can see the uh, 
picture. I'm going to bring it up. So that that poster of um, Snake Eater was actually painted on the glass window of one of these um, video shops, and you got to see exactly, you know, a little bit inkling of what these movies were. And actually, years later, uh, in the mid '90s, when I was in high school, when I was an art student, so actually my background is in graphic design and illustration, believe it or not. <laughs> and now I run restaurants, so who knows? Uh, but what's interesting is that um, back then you'd get an overhead projector, uh, you would get um, the basic composition of what you're going to do to well, obviously advertise the film and you'd project it onto the glass or whatever, the wall, whatever, and then you'd paint it. And uh, my teacher, Derek at the time, was uh, fantastic in that and really got a, a, a slice of, it wasn't the, the, you know, the art that um, we were being taught at the high school at the time it was more about what you see is what you get what you are trying to portray is what you're trying to put out there and put on display and in case of these it was you know you're there to sell the movie just like the rest of it so um it's kind of a, a dying art i guess now with um the advent of um photoshop a lot of those skills are being put aside for different skills uh as it's artistry but it's a different type of artistry too so um much more to come but we'll be talking about, of course, uh, this film and, of course, this uh, amazing gentleman and uh, his martial artistry. And, and real he's a real action guy, you know. Um, I think the thing is that he really lives the part. You know, he's got multiple belts and um, different systems of martial arts. He's a um, pilot as well. Uh, and he definitely, um, you can see around on motorcycles and stuff like that, which lives up to the part of Renegade, folks. So... Our salute to, of course, Lorenzo Lamar. And that's going to be happening all this month here. This is, of course, January 2023. So happy new year to all of you out there that will be listening to the show. And, you know, there's going to be some changes. I'm definitely going to be looking at um, spreading a little bit more action cinema love. And uh, it won't just be on this format here in podcast land. It will be also video cast soon on YouTube as well. Obviously, you can catch this right now as it is on the live show on, of course, um, here on the Facebook platform, on the Facebook page. But yes, like the rest of the Phantom Podcast Network, which the Lever Mullet Network is part of, we will be spreading out into that very, very soon. G'day, mate. How you going? Welcome to the Lethal Mullet Network, where you'll find all these amazing shows and more. Where you'll find the Lethal Mullet Podcast, a celebration of action cinema from the 80s, 90s and beyond. You'll also find Making Treks, a Star Trek fan podcast, where I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Mark Newbold, into a deep dive of Star Trek. You'll also find Mulled and Kilt, a look at music, where I'm joined by my dear pal, Darth Elvis. And where you can also find the Mullet Guild, a look at the Dune universe. All here on, of course... Leave the mullet network.podbean.com or on your favorite podcatcher. You can find us there. You can also find all these shows a week later on, of course, the one, the only fandom podcast network, FPN, on fpnet.podbean.com. Don't forget to also follow us on socials. There's, of course, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the handle at the Lethal Mullet. We'll catch you out there and enjoy. Your action cinema.
And now, it's time for the news here on the Legal Mullet Podcast. So with that, we've actually got a few things coming back now. Obviously, you've probably heard of this show before. That is, of course, the one, the only making treks with, of course, Mark Newbold. So we'll be back with that very, very soon here on the show. Um, and, of course, that on this network was covers all the news. Of, and it's a definitely a deep dive of the Star Trek universe. So if you like a bit of that, and, of course, we know that Mark does. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes he can't make up his mind whether he likes Star Wars or Star Trek or equally or both. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, obviously get back into that and chat some uh, Star Trek. And there's a lot of it out there right now, folks. So, uh, And I'm quite particular about what I love about Star Trek, but it's what I love. So we'll definitely be getting into that too. Now, you've all heard, of course, of the Mullet Guild, which uh, I've been running for quite a while here on the channel, but also we've been um, joined now by a regular co-host, and that is, of course, Scotty Bowman. So the New Lock Show will be back for another episode in the um, coming month, so sometime in late January, and we'll start looking at, of course, the greatness that is, of course, Dune in uh, the TV show that's coming, which is called Dune, the Sisterhood. And um, as most know, I'm a big fan and good pal of Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert, so we're going to be talking about, of course, their novel, which is pretty much what they're adapting for that show, which uh, will be definitely an interesting prequel uh, set more than a millennia before the first film. So it's when the schools, the Bene Gesserit, of course, the Mentats, and, of course, the Spacing Guild, all that start forming together. So, of course, the Mullet Guild of Dune fan podcast here on the channel. With that, too, of course, we've got some great shows that have been and uh, still coming. We've got, of course, uh, one that's just gone out, which is, of course, the uh, show looking at the Michael Dudikoff classic, Avenging Force, which was actually done by the director of American Ninja Folks. That is, of course, uh, Sam Furstenberg. Uh, and personally, I think it's, you know, it's right up there with those films as well. And um, definitely um, something that uh, I've really enjoyed, particularly it's got the late, great Steve James. And Steve James was a real specimen of uh, when you call it, um, you know, putting both body and soul into um, training and into obviously being just a great actor too, you know, it's in all those great canon films as well as other films to, uh, back in the day, you know, he started out obviously uh, first thing I saw him in was the Delta Force. And to me, he was up there just as good as Chuck. Actually, did you know Liam Neeson's in that film too? Surprisingly. <laughs> but before we get into all that, this is where you can find this show and many others like it by looking at the bottom here of the ticker, followed by a finger. There we are. Subscribe to the show at www.lethalmulletnetwork.podbean.com and you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Lethal Mullet and also on Hive now. Uh, not that I use it that much, but it's there. Um, we're also on TikTok and we're also on Snapchat and we're also on this and we're on that. I'm sure it'll evolve further where we have 20 different social accounts for these things. <laughs> I can't keep up. I'm an old fart. What can I say? But definitely check us out on fbnet.poppy.com as well, which is, of course, um, is the the big one, which is, of course, for the one, the only, come on, you know it, <laughs> the Phantom Podcast Network with, of course, Kevin and Kyle, uh, who've been uh, running that now for a couple of years, it's been a couple of years now. Um, and, uh, you know, they've done a fantastic place there for all sorts of fandom to go over there and uh, really enjoy what it is to be a fan of um, – 
these great franchises, whether it be Doctor Who, Highlander, uh, football. I'm sure they call it football, but mm. <laughs> yes, uh, American football. Uh, and then there's also, um, you know, the greatness of Star Trek over. There's quite a bit of Star Trek content now on the uh, page, but also there's some action cinema stuff over there, a bit of Dune, bit of bit of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy too with, of course, Deep Thought, which is run by myself, and, of course, Type 40, Doctor Who podcast's own, Dan Hadley. So join him for tea, scones, and a sandwich, and, uh, you know, who knows? You might even get some love when it comes to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy universe. And it, it is a great and wondrous universe, uh, folks, got to say. Definitely out there too. All right, so into the dojo, folks. We go into current training and looking at uh, the upcoming year. So as most of you know, I am a karate practitioner uh, primarily. Uh, I've definitely done a few different styles over the years, but karate is something I've always come back to. You know, karate is, um, you know, uh, definitely in my gene or in my genetic build, I would say, and definitely something that um, fits my character. Uh, that's one thing I've noticed about coming back to karate after doing seven other styles, you know, and I've completed, or at least I would say to the default level of, of black belt, uh, a couple of different styles. But, um, this one is, is definitely, um, as I'm reaching that level, which it'll be this year, uh, definitely gives me, um, a, a better, uh, knowledge of myself when it comes to, uh, what I'm capable of and also what I'm, uh, able to pursue past, which I think is a big part of any sport, not just martial arts. You know, you really get a sense of um, your own inner being and where you're, of course, your body, mind and uh, spirit come together. It's the same blood sport. <laughs> Shidoshi Tanaka trained me. No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, but um, this style, which is uh, primarily uh, Gojuru and uh, Shotokan um, hybrid, if you like, is definitely one that, uh, you know, uh, harkens back to classic karate, which is something I've missed. You know, I've done some other styles which are far more modern and have definitely uh, evolved, if you will. And I think with that involving, you know, it kind of loses some of its luster. You know, I'm not there to uh, become a fighter. Um, if I was going to do that, I'd be looking at another system, maybe Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or uh, any of these shoot fighting-like um, just an old term for you, you guys that don't know. Shoot fighting was kind of um, wrestling slash kickboxing uh, back in the 90s. But also I think the uh, thing is, you know, learning traditional style, you learn why, you know, things were done back in the day, you know, the way they were in Okinawa or, um, or when Shotokan was coming up in the early 1900s and, of course, uh, Japan. So I think those things come into it, but with that training too, and if you, especially if you follow my um, main Facebook page, uh, you'll see that I train in weapons every day. So, so that I never get bored, I think it's the big thing too. You know, it's not just about learning the weapon and, and practicing those skills, but for me, it's about the cardiovascular parts of it and also the repetition of um, using elements of um, that into my unarmed work in karate as well. Because again, as weapons, no matter what they are, whether it's um, Kabuto-based or uh, Western-based or even uh, some of those Bujinkan Ninjutsu weapons, uh, the Kuzarigama, things like that, there's still extensions of your body and the patterns that those build in your mind and in your, obviously, the, um, the imprint on your muscles. So your muscular repetition 
can also help free up, of course, a lot of the um, the patterns that you build within um, the physical uh, world of uh, unarmed work as well, too. So I think it's very important to keep those up. But also, too, I've, I've lost about 12 kilos, which, um, you know, has been hard for me. I've been a stockier guy, but getting out and doing running and stuff like that, too, has really helped. And as I gear towards probably the middle of the year at this stage, looks like I'll be going for um, uh, the first black belt in the current system I'm in. So I'm looking forward to that. And then also looking past that, you know, we're always looking at another style to get into. And uh, currently, I still haven't made up my mind. <laughs> there is a uh, tension dojo out here in Australia, which is, of course, uh, Stephen Seagal's um, style, which I, I do believe his wife is now still running or at least um, still owns uh, the dojo in Osaka. Uh, so that's uh, there's somebody out here that's trained in that style, um, which is local, which would be interesting. But also um, there's also Kempo out here, which I probably gravitate more towards at my age too. Uh, to learn the ways of Elvis Presley. <laughs> but, of course, we're talking about um, the work of um, Ed Parker. And, of course, in this one, it's uh, Kempo 5.0, which is, of course, Jeff Speakman style, folks. Yes, the perfect weapon, the perfect butt kicking one would get from that system, though, but it would be definitely something worth it. Oh, this is a time-traveling coffee, by the way. Cheers. And as you may have seen too, folks, uh, we are now doing um, occasionally, probably every couple of days, you know, it's not really set on a schedule, but we'll be doing little vignettes here, which we'll call lethal lattes. And with those lethal lattes, we'll be sitting down and chatting about uh, what's upcoming, a little bit of idea what's going on with um, different movies I'm watching, different shows, all that sort of stuff. And we'd definitely be a um, bit of a chance to um, chat with you guys as well and see what you're watching and what you're into what you actually going back into watch like for me i'm currently going back into watching of course uh the highlander series uh which you know i've watched the first second and part of the third season and then i kind of fell off uh it fell off my radar for a bit um but now i've actually got it running through my cinema room which is just over here the quinlan's cinema uh and uh to watch those episodes i've watched um up to the sixth episode of the first season on the big screen and um for the most part it's kept my attention quite well so when we get to it after the lamar episodes we're going to be looking at highlander season one wrap up so it's going to be a big session of uh, breaking down what i liked about it what didn't um but also going into it as a martial artist and talking about what worked with the sword work uh for me and yeah, just what what's exciting about it you know uh it's not every show out there that you get that uh, which brings me to something I'm trying to track down. And I've seen it on eBay, but at the prices I've seen, no. <laughs> and we're talking about a old ninja series. Uh, I do believe it was with Lee Majors, maybe. Uh, and it was set in Hawaii, as far as I remember. And it may have been called Raven. Now, this is one that came out in the, uh, I think, early to mid-90s, somewhere around 92, 93 ran for at least a season or two, and when it came out, it was playing fairly late at night, like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. I was a high school student. It wasn't really, uh, you know, the right time to be watching that sort of stuff. But, I mean, I checked it out, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely different. It wasn't um, something that, you know, go back and um, want to tape on VHS at the time. But I look back at it now. It's actually something I really want to check out. And in the, the, the wake of... Shows like, uh, obviously, Highlander, 
you know, it's it's great to see some some other sword like uh, ones out there too. Is that I'm a sword lover, folks. Which brings me to to what I do want to talk about about going through some of these weapon systems again, which is going back into you know using the katana, the bokken, um, and and the ninja to or the shinobi katana, uh, which you know whether it's real or not. Well, that's a whole other question, but there was definitely shorter swords, most likely wakazashi's um, of that period, but um, also using some of the you know the saber. We we're talking about the Western Saber, which I've got back into over the last 12 months. Uh, I did a little bit of it years ago, just um, when I was doing university, and that was an interesting weapon. Um, definitely the, the fencing saber we're talking about here, folks, not the, the pirate one <laughs> uh, or the cavalry one, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then, of course, in the early 2000s, um, I learned um, some Tai Chi. It was about the only place I could go to to train before going to university um, was on the way was this Tai Chi school. Um, and it was done out in the park uh, with a, about 40 or 50 people at the time. And we were learning all different sorts of things, not just the three or four main um, Tai Chi forms, but we were learning the sword form, staff, we're also learning fan for those that wanted to learn it. Uh, but for me, it was, you know, that the Qi Kung as well, which, you know, really not only, helps you focus i mean it really does um but it really it just it was different and they're different movements um than the japanese systems that i've done um particularly i was learning northern shaolin sword which is some very different movements it's very needle-like and which brings me to think that um, that's probably my favorite sword and i've got a nice one which has got a beautiful um scabbard with it as well and it's just it's just well balanced it's a proper combat sword as well, so that it's a really, really tough blade that's got the full tang, uh, and it just glides through the air like a needle. And I think that's the thing that I love about that too. Where you point, it goes, and it does what it needs to do. But when it comes to the forms, it's just a beautiful weapon. And uh, for my build and my, my sort of chemistry when it comes to that sort of uh, form, it's the best, folks, too. So with that, we're going to head into the pub now and talk about Snake Eater. Yes, Snake Eater, which you've got to say I have not seen for years until Prime had it on. And, um, you know, which made me want to get this this German box set, this this great one, which, uh, you know, it took a bit of finding. Uh, and it's definitely um, something I'd like to see the Blu-ray of if I could find it. This is just a DVD. So, of course, um, this is a great series of films, which... Just does what it needs to do, folks. That's the, that's you know, it's a no frills, no no rubbish, no no BS as we say here in Australia. <laughs> you know, and it really is, I think, um, you know, a great um, you know feel, you know, of what Lamar was going to do afterwards, uh, which we'll get into now too. So let's chat about Snake Eater. It's a nineteen eighty nine action adventure film. So we're talking about the first one here. It was directed by George Urshbarmer and written by Michael. So Pasiornek, I think, I hope I pronounced that right, and John Dunning. And, of course, this is the first action film for Lorenzo Lamar. And uh, before we get into the character and um, just some of the layout for this, what I love about this film is it really does um, set up the character well. You know, there's the, the usual trope that you see in a lot of these films where, you know, you see a little bit of a 
character beat here and there, and then it's straight in the action. And we don't really get a chance to, to get to know the characters. Uh, and I think that's key, you know, in the, especially back here where the films were, what are they, folks? They're uh, not even 90 minutes long sometimes, you know? So, you know, you've got to think about that too. You don't have a lot of screen time. You need to really be bang for buck. And that means with character, not just with explosions, <laughs> which a lot of the time it was, wasn't it, folks? You know, we, we know that too. All right, so um, Lorenzo Lamar plays a guy by the name of Soldier, and his real name's Jack Kelly. He's a police officer who was once in the Marine Special Forces, uh, the Snake Eaters, um, in Vietnam. So he's a Vietnam vet, which I think they, they sort of play off quite well in this too. So they, I've got to remember this is made in the 80s too. He uses basically all of his talents and skills that he um, um, knew, and this is to, of course, hunt down criminals and stuff like that um, in that universe. This one's about a kidnapping, basically. That's um, uh, part of it, um, parcel. But it's also got kind of a southern comfort feel to it as well, which, um, you know, I think is interesting. It's been done a number of times. You know, it goes back to... Roger Moore's first outing, um, obviously, and um, uh, was it his James Bond um, series of films, which arguably is probably the better one for him. You know, it's it's a good movie. <laughs> he was a great James Bond, you know. Uh, and I think um, when it comes down to it, it's a great setting. I mean, we've had New Orleans uh, in uh, obviously uh, John Woo's first outing, which we talked about uh, on the last episode which, of course, was Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And, and yeah, it's a great film. Uh, I still remember going with a good pal line to uh, the cinemas on the first day of Hard Target, and we expected just another Van Damme film. Well, we got more of when we bargained, bargained for. We got Mullet, for starters, <laughs> which looked great on him. You should just, I mean, it's definitely hair extensions, but come on, Jean-Claude, grow a mullet. I mean, it looked good. He still had it in Time Cop. Remember? Max Walker, which is a... I think itself, Max Walker was actually the name of a famous cricket player out here in Australia as well, which we kind of found funny when we heard Van Dance playing Max Walker. Where's your cricket bat? <laughs> uh, which is great. But again, the setting of that's great. And obviously, too, uh, Southern Comfort with Powers Booth and, of course, um, Mr. Carradine as well, which is, you know, one of those films which uses that setting as well. Um, you know, and we've, we've talked about it number of times on some of the other films like Avenging Force as well. So it's it's kind of a running theme using the bayou, um, which is also in uh, parts of Invasion USA with Chuck Norris as well. Uh, those old fan boats and stuff like that too. It's it's classic American um, action turf uh, and done well. And it does really well in this as well, uh, which is fantastic. So the film opens basically with um, Jack Kelly out on um, – basically one of his undercover gigs, and he's trying to foil uh, the plans of a, um, a dealer who has his, one of his um, people come in to a house which uh, basically um, the character soldier is set up and rigged. And it's quite a comedic part. You know, it's raunchy part too because the girl that goes in basically wants um, soldier to be strip searched. So it's a chance for Lamar to do the romantic lead, which obviously he's, you know, good-looking fella, which um, the, the ladies like. And, of course, um, in, in this case, uh, the, the lady likes. <laughs> uh, but um, 
it was a chance too for them to sort of get that sort of um, heartthrob thing out the door so they could focus on his action. And he's tough. And that's that sort of um, you know, cocky, uh, dirty Harry-like behaviour. In this case, you know, he's a vet too, which is, um, I think, an interesting add to the character. Uh, the setup it brings in, of course, uh, once she's got him set in place and held at gunpoint, in come the bad guys. And he's not too worried because he's got booby traps, very Viet Cong-like booby traps, punji stakes, things like that, ready for, of course, uh, those that come through. And then, of course, his um, once he's got the bad guys where he wants him, in come his own officers afterwards, and uh, you know, they just can't get over the, the amount of gruesome toys and tricks that, of course, Jack Kelly, the soldier, has. And that's the kind of world you're living in, folks. It's great um, layout, which, you know, it's hard to top because he is a cocky but also well-competent uh, combatant, and uh, he certainly knows how to throw a punch or two as well. Yeah, I do believe this, you know, is a time where they didn't really do a lot of martial arts on screen for this um, this series. This is more about straight-up action. Uh, this is a cop that um, just knows how to, how to punch and how to kick, all that sort of stuff too. Cheerio. Ah, cheers. And I think that's that's what's great about this role. You could tell that he was heading into um, that sort of turf down the line in the 90s, was just filled with Lorenzo Lamar doing martial arts, which we'll talk about soon. And, of course, Renegades. Um, but from there, uh, there is a kidnapping which takes place on a boat uh, where this family that's going upriver and uh, the, there's basically a criminal that comes along with his gang and they use the cover of this costume, this bear-like figure to basically completely fill the police and all the authorities that there's murders and stuff happening uh, with within this sort of community and the people that are coming into that have died off. But, of course, from there, what they're actually doing is, of course, taking um, you know, the women in this case and kidnapping them and raping them. So it's very sad, very, um, very rough um, bunch of criminals which are, you know, harming families and, of course, um, hurting women and children, etc. Too, and of course, in this case, they uh, they rampage on the boat, steal the daughter. From here, we then find out that it's related to, of course, Kelly himself. From here, he's on a course, a mission of revenge. Now, this is great because this is what I love about this first film. When he gets out there, he's going on a motorbike, <laughs> so we get to see some great scenes in pubs and stuff like that with um, the motorbikes, uh, which gets into in one of the other. Uh, movies uh, a little bit later on too but once he gets out there uh, and gets to the fact that he's he's going to have to be on the water the motorbike's not much use so when he meets um, uh, the, one of the guys that owns the, the wharf there or the, the jetty they say oh okay something wrong with your bike <laughs> of course he then outfits the bike as a speedboat and it looks fantastic I mean it really the Looks like something you'd, you'd give Batman, or I don't know, but it's a Harley speedboat. I love what they. I mean, it's a cheap job. You can tell I've just sort of literally slapped this on the top of like maybe a jet ski or something like that. I don't know, but it's a very powerful jet ski with a Harley top to it. Uh, it was fantastic. But from here, obviously, he uses that to go up river. That and of course his uh, trusty Ruger Mini Fourteen, which is on the cover, which you can see right there, of course and um, sets out in his uh, soldier outfit, 
So, of course, he's got his um, T-shirt, which, you know, has the uh, the snake eater. I don't know if you can see, folks. There it is. A bit closer for you. The man that is snake eater. And from there, it's basically a, uh, a game of cat and mouse through uh, the bush, through the bayou, through the uh, waterways, and it's really well done. Um, I, I love the, um, you know, even the, the bad guys that in this too are well played out and uh, you really get to know them. And, of course, you know, it's it's a family of them. It's not just one or two. You know, there's this family of um, bad guys, which, I mean, yes, they're horrible, <laughs> but they, um, you know, they're kind of living in their own little world up there, which is uh, quite interesting too. So um, basically... From here, he's got to go and rescue um, the, his sister in this, and um, he realizes that his parents have been killed as well too, which is sad. Uh, you know, again, uh, without giving too much away, he gets his revenge, and he survives because you know why? There's two more movies, folks, <laughs> and there's money to be made from Lorenzo Lamar's appearances in those films, and of course, he does a fantastic job in them. Too. Look, I think the action in this is great. If this is his first action outing, uh, he does very competently. You know, he uh, obviously was always good on screen, still is. Um, but I think in uh, this one too, just to, to think that it's his first run um, in that, um, you know, character and in that universe, you know, this is why it did so well uh, to bring about obviously two more films too. Uh, and now those movies too, uh, Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster, which feel more formulaic and more, um, I think, if you, you know, to be honest, a more TV-like uh, sort of atmosphere too. It was still good. I think it was fantastic and definitely plays off um, straight away the, uh, you know, the building that they did in Snake Eater itself, uh, the captain, all that sort of stuff too, you know, relating to obviously his unorthodox methods as a police officer too. Then, of course, we've got Snake Eater 3, his law, which um, brings in some cowboy characters in this to this sort of um, mate of um, his, which is great. And believe it or not, I actually saw back in the day that movie first. So I saw the third one, then I had to go and watch the other two, uh, even though I'd seen the posters of them for years on, um, obviously, video shelves and stuff like that too. So it's something to look back on, I guess, uh, from that standpoint. But... Um, but now watching it on better quality, when we've got you know these, and obviously to the um, the fact that the picture's been cleaned up quite a bit from the VHS, so it's you know it's much better than it was. But I think too that one's got quite a bit of bike action in it too, and um, it's really bikey central because there's even a shootout uh, in one of the big bikey sort of uh, or we call it bikies out here in Australia, folks. For those that don't know, uh, everywhere else in the world it's biker or bike gangs or whatever it is, but out here it's bikies. So there you go. Sons of Anarchy, bikies. <laughs> All right, let's have a look at the life of, of course, Lorenzo Lamar. And we'll look at this over the next couple of episodes too. Obviously, we're doing Bounty Tracker next, and then after Bounty Tracker, Renegade, folks. Yep, we're going to get stuck into Renegade. I hope you're ready for that. All right, so Lorenzo Fernando Lamar was born in January 2958. And um, basically, he's been involved in everything from soaps to, uh, I said, we're not talking about soap the product, but soap operas. <laughs> he was in uh, Falcon Crest from 1981 to 1990 and um, even got awards for being 
in those as well. Um, and uh, it obviously too being in Renegade, which is a huge um, series, um, and he played Reno Reigns in that too. I think you know that ran from was it nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety seven. So it's a long time, folks. You know that he was in there in the role, and uh, obviously got some great actors in that too, which we'll talk about uh, when we get to that episode. Uh, Branscombe Richmond, obviously in that as well. Fantastic, you know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 great to see he's been in all those ones too. There's also Doctor Hollywood on um, on the Nickelodeon TV show Big Time Rush. Hector Ramirez in uh, The Bold and the Beautiful from 04 to 06. So still doing soaps, even at that time too. And uh, he played me on Finney's and Ferb as well. Um, so very interesting. He, was, he even had his own reality TV show years later too called Leave It to Lamar. Hmm. <laughs> what a title. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Uh, he's born in Santa Monica, California. Uh He's basically, um, you know, obviously been around that area for, for years. So uh, he's the son of um, Fernando and um, Arlene uh, Lamar or Arlene Dahl. And um, he's also got a, uh, the film star Esther Williams, uh, who's um, a swimmer also, who's the stepson of um, that person too. It's interesting. So obviously been in Falcon Crest too, but um, he's brought up in around the uh, Pacific Palisades, in uh, which is a hot, quite a well-to-do area in uh, California, and also brought up in New York City as well, which is interesting. Now, um, in the 70s, he started his martial arts journey, which is something that obviously I gravitate towards when I hear in like that and uh, definitely need some energy for folks. Coffee. If you don't have some now, you'll never get into it. Oh, yeah. So with um, his martial arts journey, he started with Taekwondo. So he's not a short guy. So I think, you know, obviously being um, somebody who had uh, quite reach with his legs, that's a great one to uh, get into too. And um, so to get in Taekwondo, he got a third-degree black belt in. So like our, our pal from Blood of Kings, Lee Fillingsness, Norwegian smooth, he obviously has um, a real affinity for kicking. He's also studied Shotokan Karate, Jiu-Jitsu, and Aikido and earning black belts in each style. Now, as you watch films like Bounty Tracker and even some of the stuff he did, of course, in um, The Great One, which is, of course, uh, Aikido as well, uh, each of those styles in uh, in those TV shows, you can see little bits and pieces of. Bounty Tracker in particular is some great scenes where we're seeing some um, locks that are both Jiu-Jitsu and Aikido as well. Uh, but yeah, you can see that he's been studying the whole time. So he's a very experienced martial artist as well, and definitely one to um, get a, uh, a sense of too. So he started out obviously in TV, Falcon Crest. Um, he'd been also in uh, a number of TV shows, Switch, Sword of Justice, Dear Detective, Secrets of Midland Heights, Fantasy Island, The Love Boat. It's going back a few years, folks, and Hotel as well. Obviously, Falcon Crest, well, you, you already heard about that. <laughs> but his uh, action hero career took off uh, thanks to, of course, Snakey, the trilogy, which ended in 92. Then, of course, he hit up on top of that with, of course, Bounty Tracker, Gladiator Cop, Terminal Justice, 
and of course then landed the role of Reno Reigns, uh, the falsely accused police officer. Um, and basically the series was fully syndicated and put out there too. And of course, everything from Harley Davidson's to uh, obviously the punching on of martial arts and stuff like that, it really was the the right one for all of us to check out. And uh, for anything, for that sort of, had the same sort of buzz or energy, not the style of shows uh, at the time, like uh, I think uh, definitely Baywatch, not for the, the, the style of it, but it's just the energy. You know, and people gravitate towards those shows because they were entertaining at the time. Um, again, not the same, but the energy, right? Um, so with that too, we've got um, – what else we got? We, so obviously worked on that too, and he'd been keeping his hair quite long at the time too, which I think you know, he ran into every single <laughs> uh, thing he'd been in too. Um, so one of the things uh, that uh, happened was halfway through Renegades – he had to cut his hair short for some of the role. But um, then when he went back to Renegade, he had to wear a wig for the, uh, the final season. <laughs> so it didn't quite look right at that time too. So he's also been in The um, the King and I as well. Um, we've been also in a number of other things at the time as well. And he's also been in Celebrity Apprentice, which is quite interesting too. So just to look at some of the, the better movies that he's done and other ones too. We've got Snake Eater, Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster, Night of the Warrior, uh, which is quite a good one, Final Impact, Swordsman. Uh, we've also got uh, CIA, codename Alexa. One of his probably most uh, popular ones, I do believe that was that and uh, the second one, Target Alexa as well. Bounty Tracker, Final Round, Gladiator Cop, which I still haven't seen that one yet, folks, so I'll definitely have to see that. But I can see it. He was in the circuit too, as well. Um, we're also in Latin Dragon Sci Fighter. If you've ever heard of Sci Fighter, he was in that as well. Uh, and also, yeah, coming out to now, he's still doing a lot right up to now, which his last one in 2020 was Bleach. Interesting. So lots of lots of work that he's done out there and uh, still. Still does. This first Snake Eater was definitely the one that put him on the path. And for all of us that watch it, I mean, it really is uh, what makes Lamar, you know, charismatic, one to follow. And it also just the the dry wit, I think, we, we get from other action stars is in there too, you know. And uh, you definitely get a sense of this guy can do it, is the real deal. So Snake Eater, folks, it's a four out of five on the Hallenbach scale here on the Leela Mullet podcast i'm your host adam o'brien and hope you go and check out of course that film series and get ready if you haven't seen bounty tracker go and check out bounty tracker before we knock out this next episode because i tell you what folks when we start chatting it you're going to be loving it all right this is all for us here from of course quillis canteen of the gold coast australia we'll catch you next time for of course the next episode of the little mother <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. 
Hair Metal Podcast. We cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show, our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.